Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Joe Vitale joins us, as he does every Friday, here on 101 ESPN. Blues analyst who will be on the call for the 9 o'clock start tonight. Blues and Kraken here on your home of the Blues 101 ESPN. Good morning, Joey V. How you doing? Randy, good morning, brother. How are you? Good. Everything's great. Our question of the day, if you could play a sport in any venue, George Kittle of the 49ers said that tomorrow night is going to be a dream come true, playing a game at Lambeau Field at right. night in the playoffs. So if you could put yourself in the position to be good at any sport and play in any venue, what would you? What would it be for Joe Vitale? Oh, geez, that's a great one. You know what, uh, you know, Randy, you're the whiz. Who is, who is the Boston Red Sox guy that hit the foul pole in that playoff? Johnny, who was that? Johnny Pesky? It, the, her, oh, like, you're thinking over. of Carlton Fisk. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah, it was a big play. It was that game six, I think, and it forced the game seven or something like that, like years and years ago. Is yep. that right? Right. Exactly. To me, I, I look at that replay. I think it was from the movie Goodwill Hunting, where Robin Williams is telling that story. Was like, I was at the game, and he's like, he's like uh, talking about the game, and then of course he didn't go to the game because he had to see about a girl. And then Matt Damon was pissed off because he didn't go to the game. And, you know, it was that kind of story. But they, the movie did a great job of uh, Robin Williams telling the story, but then also going flashback to the actual game where I just, I just see the image. Of him hitting it in Fenway, and he's like, get over, get over, and boom, it smacks the bar, and of course, uh, Fenway Park goes absolutely ripped. I, I was at Boston, I was in Boston for four years, went to school at Northeastern, I met my, met my lovely wife, and we, we went to Fenway, and, and we would experience those games, and you talk about just the rich history, and as he said, Lambeau Field, I think uh, Fenway Park certainly has that, that appeal as well, you just you feel it when you sit in the creaky seats. Uh, when you smell the popcorn, you see the dirt and, the, and the, the slime on the ground. You just know that so much, so much greatness has happened in that ballpark. Uh, it was actually a um, a division tournament title game for my wife in volleyball. It was on a Saturday morning. We went to Fenway Park Friday night, the night before. It was probably before her biggest game, and we got tickets to a playoff game where Manny, Manny Ramirez hit a walk off, and the place erupted. But it went to like eleven or twelve innings. I remember it went into like the, the wee hours of midnight. And, of course, she waked up the next day, and then she played terribly in volleyball. And she, of course, blamed me. You know how relationships work? You know how relationships work? We can't take full responsibility for anything, right? And, and, and in the same regard, and, and I don't get off, off topic here, but in the same regard, my wife, when I was playing in Pittsburgh, I, I started playing really bad in hockey. She got really into candles all of a sudden. These doggone candles, right? So she was lighting candles all over the house. And then she started lighting these lavender ones because lavender apparently promoted sleep. So I started playing bad in hockey, and what did I do? I played turf for lighting lavender candles around the house because it's making me sleepy all day long. And I'm playing bad hockey. We, we can't take responsibility for anything. <laughs> hey, Joe, one one quick note here, and that's that's fantastic how you veered off into the lavender calendars uh, candles. Bob Costas tells the story about how in that 1975 World Series, the cameraman was down the line, and there was an availability, a slot for the camera to take a shot from left center. And Harry Coyle, the director, wanted the cameraman to move over to left center, but there was a rat where the, the slot open was where he wanted the cameraman to move. And the, the cameraman said, I'm not moving. There's a rat over there. And so he stayed down there, down the left field line. And the reason they got that shot of Carlton Fisk wow. down the line is because there was a rat where Harry Coyle, the director, wanted the cameraman to move to. 
that what what a great story behind the story, Randy. That's why that's why I adore you, and why everyone here in St. Louis adores you because it's, it's it's the story behind the story, and that that is terrific stuff. You know, sometimes it's just it's the mistakes that we think are mistakes, right? That it turn out to be amazing. You know, I talked to talked to Joe Buck when I got the job to, to be the broadcaster here four three four years ago, and I sat down with him. Hey, we had a cup of coffee at the Starbucks there in in Ladue, and, and for people who don't know this. I just found this out the other day. There's a girl that works at the Starbucks in, in well, across from Plaza Frontenac over there in mm-hmm. the new off Clayton Road. Her name, her name's Squid, like uh, like like a Kraken, like a squid. Her name's literally Squid. It's pretty wow. cool. You wow. can say hi to her. But she told me the other day that that Starbucks is the busiest Starbucks that is a non-drive-through Starbucks in the entire Midwest. Wow. So I thought that was a cool a cool thing. Yeah. But that's where I met Joe Buck. I met Joe Buck there, and uh, to, your, to your point about you know errors and mistakes and how they turn out to be great things. You know, I asked him about big calls. I asked him about big moments. How do you prepare for a big moment, a big game? And I'm really glad I had this conversation with him because eight months later, here I am calling Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final between the Blues and the Brewers. So it actually worked, it worked out kind of well. And I, I'll never forget what he said. He talked about the, the moment that he prepared for Mark McGuire's 60-second home run that broke Roger Maris's record. Now, I remember as a kid, I think I was nine years old, I actually went to that game, came home from school. My dad would say, hey, guys, guess what? I go, what? We're going to the, we're going to the Cardinals game tonight. We literally lost it because remember that year it was a Sammy Sosa. It was Mark McGuire. It, that race literally, like most most uh, Cardinals fans and baseball fans, it got me into the sport of baseball. That that truly was a, a special moment. I know there's all these kind of asterisks now and questions that go about it, but the fact of the matter is we got into baseball because of that race that year. And I'll never forget my dad coming home and, and showing us these tickets. They, they were standing room only, but we were right down left field side, uh, left field marker right there where, where it eventually went over, barely over that wall. Now, Joe Buck talks about that moment. He had these great things lined up where, you know, into uh, the history books or he, he was prepared to do certain things. And then we all remember that call because the home run itself, as we all remember, it barely makes it over the wall. So he kind of hits a line or we couldn't tell. And then the camera, camera crew, and did, did it go over? Did it hit the wall? Where is it at? So what happened was, um, as Joe Buck's trying to figure out what's going on, all the fans are trying to figure out what's going on, it, meanwhile, it does go over. And then what, what does Mark McGuire do? He, he misses first base completely. So what does Joe Buck say? He goes, uh, go, 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 go back and touch first, Mark, right? And that, that was, of course, was not part of the call. He, he didn't want that. But, but he tells a story about it. He realized in that moment, and, of course, we all know that call so well, but go back and touch first, Mark. That, to me, is what makes the call, right? And he said, the point of it all is just be real and just be in the moment and don't, don't over-prepare. And sometimes those mistake calls, or maybe it's calls you didn't expect coming, like, of course, what happened there in, in Boston with the rat, sometimes those turn out to be some of, the, some of the best calls and best moments and just kind of go with it. Well, Joe, you mentioned Game 7, Stanley Cup Final. Pretty impressive night for Jordan Bennington. I think we all remember that. When you watch him play now, do you have any concerns? No, not at all. He's a human. He, he is he's playing in a very high pressured situation and in a very good division um, this this young man like us all is living in a world with with covid and and a little bit of chaos at times and question marks and he's going through this just like us all and not to mention he is i I can, I can feel for him because I know what it's like playing in front of eighteen thousand people right and and I don't even know what it's like for him because when I would make a mistake or when Ryan O'Reilly makes a mistake, you still got five other people on your side backing you up. When he makes a mistake, he's the last line of defense, right? So, so he's, going through, he's going through a rut. He's going through a valley. Uh, players, humans, we're going through them. We all go through them. And unfortunately for him, it's just something that 
when he's going through these little bit of a slumps or maybe he's getting a little leaky here and there at times, it just it, it's very magnified because of the position he's in and everything going on. Um, from a personal standpoint, you have to look at how this whole year has unfolded for him, right? Um, you cannot shy away from the fact that the Olympics were supposed to be this year. That was probably heavy on his mind as Carey Price, the goaltender for Montreal Canadiens, stepped aside to start the season. He, at that point, was, to me, was the front runner. So I know that that's kind of passing beyond, but you look at his season, you look at the numbers, that, that is something that has been an added, I guess, stress at times for him that he's had to deal with this year. And now that now the Olympics are kind of come and gone where he won't be able to participate, now he's moving in a different direction. I mean, listen, you, um, you, you, you can look at this goaltender and say one thing, though. No. With, with all the adversity and wall, with all the ups and downs that it's been at times this year, the good news is for Blues fans and, and certainly for Jordan and for this coaching staff of this team is that you are dealing with a goaltender that has been down this road before. You know, there's a reason why he made it to the NHL and established himself after dealing six to seven years in the minors because he is uh, re- resilient by nature. He has built this, this perseverance wall around him where even though things can be tough and things, things are not going his way, he has that characteristic where he knows he can bounce back and he's got the attitude to really do it. So to me, that's what this is going to be all about. You've got to give Billy the net. You've got to allow him to, to take this team and to keep gaining points, and he understands that. But, but I promise you one thing. He, he is such a competitor where he is going to be on that bench working every single day with Dave Alexander, the goaltending coach, to kind of right this ship and get back to where he needs to be. Joey V, last thing, and by the way, you and Curbs will have the call from Centene tonight. It's kind of a bummer for me that you guys don't get to go to Seattle and have the Blues' first game in that building. Is that a bummer for you guys? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a bummer, Randy. You know, and again, we talk about just the, the chaos and the nonsense of the world right now. The, the only reason, you know, I, I almost just said between us. But between us and everyone listening, I appreciate you listening. You know, it, it really came down to the fact that the Blues were going to Canada uh, right after yeah. the game in Seattle. Yeah. And because of the border control and because, uh, listen, if, if we test positive or pop positive in those three, four days in Canada, it's a situation where we, we may be stuck up there for a couple of weeks. Good point. So, uh, you, look, you look at the, all the broadcasters across the league, um, no one's really taking these trips. Like Darren Pang will be calling it, and John Kelly will be calling these games for home as well. Uh, and pretty much every team. I mean, heck, we, were, we were just playing Nashville the other day, and, and Hal Gill, my good friend, didn't even come to St. Louis. And they're just in Nashville. So uh, they have grounded a lot of broadcasting crews because of the fear that you will be stuck in cities. Now, I think after this All-Star break, which is really cool for Blues fans and for all fans of hockey, the league has announced that they no longer are going to be testing uh, asymptomatic players. They're basically breaking it down and say, hey, we're going to use our common sense here. If you're sick, we're, we, we may test you. But aside from that, we're, we're blowing this thing open. So from that standpoint, I think after the Canadian trip, after All-Star break, from that moment on, I believe that you will see Curbs and I uh, in person at all these away games because testing and quarantine, all kind of the craziness of this whole world, seems to, to be subsiding, and I, I think the NHL has done such a wonderful job, uh, and they are such a huge platform to, to do this and to kind of make a stance and say, thank you, CDC. I appreciate it. We have tried, but we are, this is unsustainable, and we have to move on in a new direction. So I think that it is a really good thing for the player. I know the players are super geeked about it. They're exhausted by it. Players that are super healthy, staying home and watching their team battle is not a fun thing to do. So I think it's a really cool thing moving forward for the entire sport. With five kids in the Vitali household, does SpongeBob SquarePants ever show up on TV? And are you aware of Squidward? I know who Squidward is, and I despise, I despise SpongeBob SquarePants. I, it drives me absolutely bananas. 
this, this cartoon. I mean, I, I just don't find it funny. Apparently, all these burgers, like a burger joint, or what are those? What are those burgers called? Like uh, a crusty crab. It's from. It's at the. It's a crab burger. It's the crusty crab, Joey. Yeah, not, not not a fan. I'm just I'm just not a fan. I, I am as big of a fan of SpongeBob SquarePants as I am of the TV show Mash, and that drives Chris Kerber absolutely bananas. <laughs> he can't understand why I don't like Mash. I've never liked Mash. I don't like Seinfeld. I don't like Star Wars. You know, people just have their their opinions on things, but SpongeBob will never be right. No, we're, we're in the middle of a a Bubble Guppies uh, run with my one year old, and then uh, certainly just it's a battle between Bubble Guppies and Sports Center at this point. As the older ones want to watch Sports Center, and then typically Birdie, she's my one year old. She typically wins that argument. Uh, as we all know, the loudest yep. the loudest yep. person generally wins arguments these days. Next week, we're going to find out what Joe Vitale's all time favorite television show is. Have a great weekend. Always good to hear your stuff. You're the best. Thank you very much for the time. Thanks, Randy. Michelle, you guys have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm. You too. Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.